Welcome to Arise Life, a community of believers being equipped, empowered, and released into their destiny. For more information, go to arisealife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Well, we already started where I wanted to go. Um, mothering is expensive. It's, and there's a lot of pain involved in motherhood. We already identified a couple um, mothers uh, who have died, mothers who are absent, children who are absent. Um, but um, let, me, let me ask this. Mothers, what are some other areas of pain in mothering? Can you just call them out if you're willing? Prodigals, right? Kids who have who've gone away from God. What else? Rejection. Rejection. What else? Loss. Loss. Financial abandon. Financial abandon, yep. Lack of support, yeah. Uh, I'd say that's emotional, mental, physical. What else? Disappointment, come on. What else? How do you mean? I, I agree, but... Help me with that one. Well, maybe someone who will put all of their value on their children. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Come on. What else? Regret. Regret? <coughs> uh, feeling used. Take one more before we all. Un, not fulfilled dreams, like sacrificing dreams for kids, but not your own dreams. Gotcha. Unfulfilled dreams. All right. So before we all fall into a pit, I, I want to pull over here. I think disappointment is a huge one. Uh, disappointment means I had one expectation and it turned out differently. That's never been a problem for mothers, has it? You know, all of our kids turned out perfectly. Ever, you know, the best part about parenting is when you really put your heart into it, really love well, and they go, thank you, mother, for disciplining me so well. Has a child ever said that? No, 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 never, not once. Has the child gone, oh, yes, mother, can I have some more, please? Right? No, no, here you are putting your, your arm... You know, yourself on the line, you're making yourself raw and vulnerable, and at best, they're grumpy. <laughs> right? That's a good case scenario. Anybody else gotten it thrown back in your face? Yeah. Disappointment, there's so many layers of disappointment because it doesn't look like what you, what you think about. Let me put it in another way. Um, if I were to come up 
and punch a, uh, a uh, punch Scott. Let's just say this. I punch Scott. Hey, don't cheer. Guys are like, dang, man, throw Scott under the bus. Do it, do it. No, what is this, Fight Club? No. Um, if I were to punch Scott, I, I'll throw it in. If I'm going to punch him and I'm going to bite his ear, Mike Tyson. <laughs> Everyone, my boys are all there, right? What do you call that in legal terms? Assault and battery and stupid, right? <laughs> How to throw millions of dollars away in one bite, um, you know. Yeah, lack of wisdom. Okay, but here's the thing. Kicking and biting equal feeding a teething toddler. Do you track with me? Like the things that a toddler does to a mother, if it was an adult, you put them in prison. True? Okay, so what, what I want you to see something, right, is you have a child over here and you have a mother. Initially, the mother's responsibility for the child goes all the way to here, right? When the child's inside the mother, how much of responsibility does the child have? Zero, right? It's, it, but they're having a relationship, but it's very one-sided, right? But as soon as the baby is born, the child is separate, but it's still what? Totally Dependent, right? So who, how much responsibility does the mother have? Well, hopefully the father's in the picture. So at least he, you know, some of the responsibility goes on the father, right? But a lot there, it's, let's just put it right here. The responsibility. But if you're raising a child, what do you want them to become more and more of? Independent, Independent and out of the house. Out, out of the house. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I'm five years old and I'm leaving. Right? No, not that. Right? Not, like, you want them to begin to be independent, able to make decisions, and responsible, right? Which means, over time, this line should move. The goal is adult children who can relate to you as an adult, right? That's it means an equal relationship. That's the goal, isn't it? We can live in fantasy. It's okay. Right? That's the goal. What the reason why Masha said God is has a mother heart to talk, so I, I long to gather you under He's a mother, He speaks of Himself as a mother, is because here's the deal this is the best example I know of covenant love. We talked about covenant last week. Covenant love, why? Because before the child could do anything, the mother's doing everything, but the mother's not bringing the child in to, as, a, as to be a vegetable. What is she bringing it in? To bring it in to be a full person. God, before the foundation of the world, saw you, saw you in his mind. He said, I want an Andre. I want a Scott. I want a Mark. I want a, a Joseph. He, he wanted women too. He wanted Heather. He wanted Stacy. He wanted Jill. He wanted you. And he said, oh, before you could do anything, he calls you out. And he called you, and he said, it's willing to pay every price. Ladies, how much price do you have to pay in the nine months before that baby arrives? A lot. Some of you more than others. You're like, hey. Right? Nine months of bed rest, whatever. Right? So, so the reality is, he said, it's willing to pay any price 
for you to be a person, not to be a lump on a log, not for you to be helpless, not for you to be utterly dependent, but he, so you could enter into a full relationship so that at the end of the day, right, what do we start out, we're called children of God, but at the end of the book, it is the wedding feast of the Lamb. Who's the bride? We. Do you see, we've gone from being a dependent child, helpless, to an adult child, to being co-heirs with Christ. We're call, he's calling us into this relationship. So we watch this in mothering, right? So this is healthy mothering. As a, I'm a great expert on mothering, by the way. I have a lot of experience. But no, but, but it's parenting in general is this. As the child grows, this line has to move backwards, doesn't it? Any, anybody um, experienced where the child's growing, but the mother or father doesn't move? What does that look like? Huh? What's that? A kid in the basement. Well, there's that. Also, the, you know, the child's trying to grow up, but the parent won't let them. Struggle. Yeah. Codependence, that's right, for the win. Codependence, you know? And so it's like, no, 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 I need you to be a child. No. Parents, does it hurt to allow your child to grow? Yeah. You're pulling back. You're actually limiting yourself to make room for the child to grow up, to make the choices. Now, here's a question. If you allow your child to make choices... How, what's the chance that they're going to make a bad choice? 100% to qualify. Not all the time we hope, right? No, you're going to give them more and more opportunity to make choices. And as they make choices, hopefully they're going to learn. And the best, so I was, I was having this um, moment um, uh, with our daughter. And uh, I was, um, something happened. She made a choice. And it was not going well for her. And I thought, oh, this is my moment. I'm going to turn this into a teaching moment. And God said, don't. He said, if you make it a teaching moment, you actually make yourself the enemy. Let the consequences themselves be the teacher. Anybody here? You didn't learn any really good lessons until you left home? And there was nobody to uh, wipe your posterior. And suddenly you realize, I shouldn't pay those bills on time. Who knew? Some of you are like, right? No, there's something about it that a good parent allows their children to experience the consequences of their choices over time. And as they grow up, the goal is that we meet. And so a good, healthy parent comes right up to the line. They stand at the line beckoning the child to rise up to relationship. But they don't cross the line. Anybody had a parent cross the line? Get all up in your business. You know what I'm talking about? A little manipulation for Jesus. Well, that got real. No, a little, a little domination, a little bit of shame, a little bit of, right? No, it, anybody had a parent say, you make me look bad. Or felt that. Is it a child's responsibility how the parent looks? No. What I want to say right here 
is this whole thing of this coming up to the parent comes up to the line but doesn't cross the line. Why? Because they want a relationship with the child, right? The line might be here. It might be here. It might be here. But the goal is that. Now, why am I saying all that? Because God calls himself what? Father, mother. Why? Because he called us out of darkness. He called us when we were nothing and he called us to be his own. And we talked yesterday, I love it, in, in just that way, he shows up to Abram. We talked about this, Genesis 12, Abram, he goes, hey, Abram, I got plans for you. And he says what? He gives him one thing to do, and he promises him everything. You know, when you're born, you are an heir of everything your parents have, by law, by at least a partial heir unless they make some decisions legally. You're an heir. And he brings him in. This is literally God saying, Abram, you're going to be my son. You're going to be my heir because I'm going to bless all the world through you. I'm inviting you in. And Abram goes, okay. Just like a kid, he goes, okay. Right? And, but he does what the father... The father pulls back and gives him a chance to make a choice, gives him an opportunity to do something. And he does it. So what does the father do? He layers on what? Blessing. He layers on blessing. Anybody here as a parent, you give somebody, they step out and you go, yes, I want to love on you. Yes, well done, well done, well done, right? See, God is more interested in the relationship with Abram than he is in the stuff. But at the beginning, what is Abram interested in? God's okay. He can work with us. Has a, has a baby ever come out of the womb or a toddler and said, mother, I just want to love you. I want to care for you. You know, again, that's the funny thing about, especially like Mother's Day with like toddlers. It's, it's no different than any other day, <laughs> right? No, I mean, the reality is, is that children by nature, we talked about this, uh, Emily and, and, uh, and Brian and I were together and every, we're talking about this. Every child is a legalistic narcissist <laughs> at birth, Right? It's all about me. And if the parents screw up once, it's over. Right? Who's going to throw the book at you but a toddler? Right? You said. Right? But in fact, what happens is God says, come on out. And when, he, and when Abram comes out, God goes, yes, I really meant it. All the world's going to be blessed through you. You're going to have a kid. Yay. And then Abram gets tired of waiting. And the consequence is very evident, right? With Hagar and Ishmael and like, anybody here got tired of waiting and tried to help God out, right? And in that moment, he, he does this. He, he tries to help God out, doesn't work out well, but God, because he is loving, he doesn't, he, he helps Abram. He comes up to the line and said, no, I was really serious. I'm not gonna cross the line, but I'm gonna invite you back up. But if you're going to step into the fullness of what I'm offering you, it's going to require you to keep stepping up. And he said, you can't trust in your own ability to make the dream happen. You need to trust in me. And that's where circumcision comes in and, and it goes on and on. But then you have this moment. He has the son Isaac. And you guys remember what happened? Isaac is moving along and Abram loves Isaac. Why? He's his son, but he's also the promise, right? I'm going to be amazing. My legacy is going to be incredible through Isaac. Anybody here, when God gave you a blessing, you were like, thank you, Lord. I'll take it from here. 
Anybody here gotten distracted by the blessing that God gave? And like took off with it and now like I can run with it myself? How did that work out? Like, like, it, it, like literally, people... It, we, anybody here got married and thought it would solve your problems? No nudging, please. Right? No, getting married, you're like, I'm not touching to take care of everything. I got the dream. I'll do it on my own. No, marriage is designed to make you die. Desperately need Jesus. So if that's where you're at, you're in the right place. Just saying that. But what I want to say is, it's not. The blessing is a blessing as long as it's not your God. It's your idol. It's not your purpose. And so God says, um, and in the ancient world, People regularly would take, remember when I talked about goal is love, the means, and then the, then the goal, the goal is love and the source is love. But what happened is in the ancient world and in our world, we regularly sacrifice what is essential, what is important to get our immediate needs met. True? And the most classic example of that in the ancient world is they would sacrifice children for the sake of the community, thinking that God's wanted babies being killed. And all the gods around Abram, that's what they do. And, and now listen, he has no reason to think God is any different than the other gods. So God challenges what he secretly thinks God is. Who here you... Okay, don't raise a hand on this one. There, every single one of us have areas where we secretly think God is bad. We might say good, but we secretly think bad. Huh? Holding out on us? What are some other ways that we might think God is bad? Oh, wow, this got too real. I'll do it for you. Save you. People are like, ah! I don't know, is that illegal in church? Um, I'll give you another example. That what he wants me to do is not the best for me. What he asks of me is cost too much. That if he wants me to go somewhere, he's, gonna he's not going to go with me. He's going to abandon me. He just wants to use me. Right? Well, just be over here if you need me. All right. Um, so Abram's got those. You know what, God? You know what those do in a relationship when somebody thinks you're secretly evil? What happens in it? You don't trust you? And without trust, you ain't got a relationship. Trust is relationship. So, you know, the, the flash doors rise up. Right? You're cut off. You don't have a relationship. And so God is going to confront the very things we fear we believe in him. So God goes, oh, you think I'm bad? You think I'm going to ask you for your son to kill your son? What kind of God do you think I am? Okay, let's play. Abram. Why don't you go sacrifice your son for me since you so think I need it? Abraham's like, oh. anybody here obeyed God? You're like, I know you're good, but this feels bad. I know you're good, but I don't know. It feels like I'm going to die. Anybody been there? You haven't gone very far with Jesus if you haven't come to that point. I'm just saying. You, you're like, ah! Right? And he's going and he goes and he gets up there and I can just see Abram's like delaying. Like, Okay, Lord, this story changes at any moment. Finally, he goes to sacrifice son. And God's like, stop! I believe you. It's okay. But now you believe me that I don't want your son because I've provided a ram for the sacrifice. But also, your son no longer owns you. 
And in that moment, the relationship goes up. Now, up to this point, God has asked for circumcision. He's asked him to sacrifice his son and asked him to go. That's about it. In relationship, if relationship, if the child is to grow, there have to be opportunities to make choices and to rise up and grow. And as they do, they rise up into greater and greater what? What is a child when they demonstrate more authority, more responsibility, more independence? What, ha what, what do they get more of? More privileges, more accountability. They come, they get further and further. You trust them further and further. I remember I, I did driving tests with my dad in our 1978 uh, Pinto um, with red interior, white. Dude, that thing would haul. Uh, <clears throat> let's just say I never topped out on that thing, but it was doing 104 on the bypass at one point. But moving on, that is not relevant to the story. Actually, it is in another way, but we'll get to that. Um, and my dad, we did the back roads and we did it at 35 miles an hour. Why did we start out at, well, 25 and then at 35? Gain the steals, baby steps, right? A, and because my dad didn't want to die, right? <laughs> so, so he wanted me to survive, but he also wanted himself to survive. And so, but then I remember the day he was like, come out onto the bypass. And he was like, all right, bring it up to 55. I thought I was going to die. I've been going 55 in my parents' car all my life. But when I was doing 55, I was like, whoa, the wheels are coming off. Why? But then I discovered, oh, I'm safe, I'm safe, to the point where I was stupid and then did 105. But that's another point. What happens is with increased um, response, uh, increased demonstration of value, increasingly God shows us his values, which are for us. And when we own up to them, we step into them, he can pour out his blessings on us. And as we keep taking steps, he can give more and more and more. And this is evidenced in the next stage. You guys remember, the people of Israel went into Egypt. They were there for 400 years. God got them out of slavery. Out of slavery. Why? They had gone to, into Egypt because they had a cushy deal. Then it turned bad. Anybody had a cushy deal that went bad? Right? That you like pursued your needs and then they came to own you. Anyway, so he goes into Egypt and God calls him out with Moses. Now, what did the Israelites have to do to be delivered out of Israel, out of Egypt? They had to leave. They had to leave their security. They had to trust and they had to leave. And they go walking. They go walking. They go walking. And... Um, they get through, and about 40 days later, I mean, they see everything. They see the waters part. They go on and on. They, they get out into the desert, and there is God. God said, I brought you out by my mighty hand. God did everything, but they had to walk. That's why the Christian life is called a walk. They have to walk, and they're walking, and they meet God on the mountain. In chapter 19, I really recommend, read chapter 19 and 20 of Exodus. We're not going to go through it today, or we'll never survive. But, but chapter 19, God goes, okay, Abram, I want you to do this. Come up to me on the mountain, but don't let the people come up. Because if they come up, they'll die. Well, that's rather ominous. If they touch the mountain, they'll die. Because I am God. Wow, that's very freaky. Okay, Abram goes up. They have this amazing time. And then God goes, okay. 
Uh, sorry, Abram. I, already, I don't know why they get mixed up. They both have M's. That's a good thing. Anyway, Moses. Moses in, says, talking with God, and God, now, God says, now invite the, he says, my dream is that I have an entire nation of priests. What is a priest? In the Old Testament, it's the person who has direct face-to-face contact with God. So what's God saying? He wants a relationship with every single person. And so he goes, okay, guys, all right, you guys ready? Since you respected my boundaries, right? He gave them boundaries. Do you see how serious I am? How big I am? How amazing I am? Yes. Okay, I now want you to come up and I want us to meet. Now that you recognize how important, how incredible this relationship is. You've seen the thunder and the lightning. saw those seas part. You see how powerful I am. And again, just like Moses, he's saying, I want to adopt you all. I want you to be my kids. I want you to be heirs of everything. Is that not a good deal? And God goes, all right, come up. And what did the Israelites say to Moses at that point? We don't trust God. We think he's bad. We think he's going to kill us. This is the exact opposite response to the response of, of, of Abram. Exact opposite. And they said, no, we don't want it. Now, up to this point, God said, to live with me, you only have to worry about 10 rules. Can we pull it? If you can, I, sorry, Elijah, it's in there somewhere is, is the first four and the second four, um, uh, second six of, of, the, uh, of the 10 commandments. He basically said, 10 basic rules. Remember the first time there was just three things he asked of Abram. Now he's just 10 rules. Super simple. Who here can, I love it. He even gave us 10 fingers. Make it simple, right? He's like, he's no dummy. He's like, we can keep track of this. And he's like, the first four are super simple. The first four is, you shall have no other gods before me. Sounds like a marriage covenant, doesn't it? Like, listen, we need to be exclusive. Just you and me, baby, right? He says, and you shall make no idols. What were idols? Idols were like, think of it like a voodoo doll. It was a way to try to manipulate and control God. Like literally, like if you want God to give you rain, you dunk the idol in water. (laughs) Right? Like it's manipulation. Who here has tried to manipulate God? Every single one of us. Sorry, I'll just answer for you. And how well has that worked for you? Not, right? No, he said, do not try to manipulate me. Why? As soon as you attempt to manipulate, what happens to the relationship? done. If the relationship isn't exclusive in marriage, what happens to trust? If you have no trust, you have no relationship. Don't take the name of the Lord God in vain. This is not about going down to the quickie mart and, and cuss and go, ah, it's not that. It is literally using the name of God in magic to get what you want. It's trying to have power of God without relationship with God. He said, don't do it. This is a relationship. And then he says, remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And he says, but then I love this. This is the first time he gets social. He says, but also Sabbath day for everybody else. What do you, the, your, your servants and your kids, don't make anybody else work. Take a rest. Why? Anybody here been in a survival mode? Can you stop when you're in a survival mode? No, you're going to die. Have you ever been treading water? You're like, I'm just going to take a Sabbath. <laughs> right? But literally, a Sabbath is saying, I trust you, God, with my stuff. I trust you with my life. But then he goes, listen, if you're going to do this relationship with me, it should have some effects on your relationships with other people, right? 
So honor your fathers and mothers. Notice, he doesn't say honor your father and mother when they are perfect. He says honor your father and mother. Interesting. Then he says you shall not murder. Well, that's going to be very complicated, Lord. I had a lot of those planned. Okay, don't commit adultery. Kind of the same thing as the first line. He's like, you know? Okay. And then he says, don't steal. We're, this is, I can't keep track of all this, Lord. This is way too complicated. And then he says, don't lie. Don't bear false witness against your neighbor. So up to this point, I'm like, we're on easy street, right? Like, I'm seriously, I'm pretty sure those first nine, you're pretty good so far. But what's the, look at the last one. Do not covet. Don't want something that somebody else has. Okay, guys, that's called advertising. That's the whole point of advertising. I show you something else that somebody else has, so you'll want it. Anybody see a problem? Like, I was so good up to this one. Not this one. But they don't even want 10. They're like, 10, 10, way too easy. Way too easy. God, we want all the goods of a relationship without relationship. So what do they do? Guess how many rules they got? 613. I don't have that many fingers or toes. I don't, when, altogether, we don't. 613 rules. It's like, if you want the good stuff of as if you had a relationship, then this is what you got to do. Why? God is trying to invite them little by little up into this intimate relationship with the goal of the wedding feast of the Lamb. The goal that we would rise up to the level, the likeness of God, that we would rise up as the bride in equal portion to its head, in equal portion to the groom, Jesus, that that's the goal. And so he just gave them 10 rules as the next step, but they didn't want it. They just want it. Now, stay with me. Do you guys remember this moment in Luke 22 where Jesus says, a new covenant I give you, right? Do you guys remember that? And I always read that like it was like there was the old covenant. We even do that, the Old Testament of our Bible, and then the new covenant. But do you know what? He said it's a new covenant in what? My blood, right? How Ephesians 1 tells us that we became co-heirs through what? Through his blood, through his death on the cross, but when did he die? Revelation 13, 8 says, before the foundation of the world, he was slain. In other words, this covenant began at the beginning. This is the original, the one and only covenant. So why is he saying a new covenant? That word new is actually the same word he uses for you are a new creation. Kainos. It means other something other. This is the original covenant was always in his blood, but they wanted to have a different kind of covenant. They wanted to have a covenant of performance. They wanted to have a transactional covenant. Anybody had a transactional relationship? Do you know how you're having a transactional relationship? They fail their side of the bargain. Right? No? You know, as a parent, this gets tested regularly, doesn't it? Covenantally. Like I said, disappointment. When, you're, when you fail to fulfill my expectations, 
What does God do? God stands at the line of relationship. He doesn't back up. What do we want to do when people fail us? Forget you, right? Covenantal love, I still stand at the line. I don't cross the line, codependence, but I stand at the line waiting for you to come back. The evidence of this is you got, watch Cain. Cain, right? You guys remember They've left God. They said, we don't want to do life with you, God. Cain takes it further, kills his brother Abel. And God's like, I can't deal with you. What does God do? No. God's like, Cain, what you doing? God is always pursuing. He's right up there with us saying, come, take a step towards me. Take a step. And then he steps back and he says, take another step. But they they said, we want 613 rules. How did that work out for them? You know what? At the end of the day, they actually created close to 2,000 rules because they had to create rules to keep them from breaking rules. They're like, I don't want to accidentally miss a rule. And then Jesus shows up and he goes, oh, you think, oh, 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 I'm so sorry. Could you remember what Paul said? He said, I was a perfect Israelite according to the law. I never did anything bad. What did Jesus say to that? He said, if you, you say you didn't murder, good for you. But if you have said fool to your buddy, you're in danger of hell. Why? Remember that covet one? He said, you think you can clean the outside and it's going to clean the inside. But I'm telling you, I always meant you to live from the inside out. I meant you to live from my life in you rather than you trying to climb up to heaven. I meant for my life to flow through you. I meant for it to flow out of relationship with me. And so you have this whole thing where God's... So, but Jesus... So the difficulty is, is if you walk in Jesus... So there's some who've taken the Sermon on the Mount and they're like, aha, it's a new rule. Who here came under judgment reading the Sermon on the Mount? Like what you should do, love your enemies, you know, and you're like, oh man, that's going to be hard, but I'll do what I can. No, the whole point of the Sermon on the Mount is to show you, you can't do it on your own. You are always meant to do it in him. He's inviting us up into a relationship, but each step of the relationship, it looks like different behavior. Higher and higher you go. The further you go with him, the life is transformed. What happens? The problem is that can look like others that you're earning your righteousness. But in fact, you're living from his righteousness. You're living his life in you, depending on him. And so Paul puts it this way in Galatians 4. We're going to land this plane. Galatians 4, he has this thing. He's been telling us in 3, Galatians 3 and 4, he says that, that the law is like a tutor to teach us that we couldn't do it. So that when we are fully grown we can become co-heirs with everything. See, God wants to release. He said, remember what I said last week? I said, it is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. And he said, when you want, when you, why do you tell God everything you want and everything you need? Even the pagans do that. He said, your father already knows what you need. But rather come to him trusting that he will care for your needs so you can seek first his kingdom and then God will care for your needs. And that whole, that whole thing is the, the laws, the tutor, the, the rules are the tutor saying, you can't do it, you can't do it, you can't do it. So you'll come to God and say, I can't do it. And God says, I know. Let me do it in you and through you. Because the whole goal of the gospel 
is that we are transformed into his likeness from the inside out. So coming back to mothering. One of the aspects of that is, how many perfect mothers are there? (laughs) And who gives mothers the worst uh, uh, scorecards? Themselves, right? Right? There are no perfect mothers. But do you want to know something? That our mothers and our fathers are the image of what we think of as God. Anybody see a problem? Okay, who here has judged their parents? Everybody else is a liar. Right? Right? Like 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 literally that's like uh, that's that's the sport. Like that's what you do for fun. Right? Like oh my gosh. Who here judged your parents and said I will never do that and then did the very same thing? Yeah. Okay. So one of the things about it is we will never... So our parents are like a really dirty window that we can only see God through faintly. Why does it say honor your father and mother? Because here's the deal. If you don't value what is good and forgive what is bad, you will stumble over them and never see God. The reason why so many people reject God, I I, I always say this, I've never met an atheist who doesn't believe in the same God I don't believe in. Because I don't believe in that God either. I don't believe in that capricious, manipulative, domineering, horrible, evil God. I don't believe in him. But the reality is so often what, they're, what people are saying is, I reject the God who has shown me by imperfect people. And if we do not forgive our parents and honor what is good, but forgive what is bad, guess what? We'll never see God. And we will constantly be afraid that he is the God that our parents showed us imperfectly. So what I want us to do today is I want us to forgive. I was on the way here, and uh, Brian and I were talking about this earlier. I was on the way here. Um, anybody, you just have this background roar in your heart? Anybody know what I'm talking about? And you're like, oh, I don't know what that is. And then you like try to solve it, and it doesn't solve it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, hey, hey, hey. Anyway. And I was, I was driving and I was trying to be spiritual because it's church and I'm going to be sp- saying things and I should be spiritual. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And it wasn't working. Am I the only one? You know what I'm talking about. Okay, good. Some of you are like, oh, I wouldn't have it. No, okay. So I'm like trying to become a spiritual person and it's not working because there's a... And I'm like, okay, so I'm trying to think about the message. No, I'm trying to think about this. And, I'm, and God goes, or... You could ask me. I'm like, okay. And he goes, what do you want me to know? He said, you have a lot of unforgiveness. Do you know why Paul says, don't let the sun go down on your anger? 
Because when you, this is just psychological, but if you do not resolve what caused you to be angry before you go to bed, it just kind of dissolves into the background radiation of your soul. And you feel it, but you don't know where it's coming from. It's just... And um, I realize I have a lifetime of it, right? Why? Because I've done a lifetime with people. And I was like, I was feeling very overwhelmed, but it was particularly having to do with my own mother. And I was like, okay, God, what do you want me to know? He said, just, and he walked me through forgiving her. And as soon as I got, I I released her, forgave her, you know. And again, that's not to say my mother's a bad person, but there isn't a mother here who doesn't need to be forgiven just because we're not perfect. Anyway, what happened is the minute that happened, guess what? I realized, oh, wow, I'm a real boy. I'm a person. And suddenly I realized I was going to walk in navel-gazing narcissistically and not being able to love anybody. But as soon as I released her, I was able to be focused on y'all and love you. Would you like to be free? The worst part, like I said, about judging our parents is their judgment then falls on us. So just close your eyes. Father, we thank you that you are good and that none of us deserve forgiveness, but you freely paid for us. Everything we've done, all of our brokenness, all of our failures, everything we've done, you paid for on the cross. You took it upon yourself, what was meant for us, the curse, the the punishment, the failure, the consequence you took upon yourself that we might be free, free to know you, free to love you, and free to love others. But Lord, like that unforgiving servant, we have turned away and we have held in bondage our parents, our mothers. And we have said, no, you did not do right by me. You have not done this. You did not do that. You have failed me. And so right now, I find myself in a prison cell of my unforgiveness and I want to help. So now, Father, I give, just repeat in your heart, I give my mother the free gift of my forgiveness. She owes me nothing. I set her free. I release her from judgments I've had against her right and wrong, I set her free. I release her to be who you made her to be. And Lord, I bless her to know all the ways she's been a good mother. I bless her to know your love. And I bless her to know your mothering and fathering and care for her. I release her. If you have well and truly begun the journey of forgiveness, over the coming days you'll have moments, specific things that your mother did or didn't do. Even a mother who has died, you can forgive. Even a mother who you never knew, who abandoned you at birth, whoever it is, you can forgive because you're releasing the hold that you have on them. 
But as you forgive, God is going to remind you of specific things they did or didn't do, and you'll have an opportunity to forgive that. Don't be overwhelmed, but just release them. Now, one of the things I want to do is I want to lead mothers in forgiving yourself. Now, forgiving yourself, that might be a theologically bad term. Let me put it a different way. When I cannot receive God's forgiveness because I hold me to a higher standard than he does, that's not, when we say I forgive myself, I'm really just receiving his forgiveness and quit holding my own failures against me. So Father, I receive your free gift of your forgiveness for all the ways I failed to be the mother I wanted to be or who you made me to be. Please forgive me. I receive that forgiveness. And I ask you to cleanse out of me all the lies I've believed about who I am as a mother. And I ask you today to make me who you made me to be. To empower me, just like you said, through your life to live righteously and to love well. And Lord, if there are messes I've made in my children's lives, to be able to go low, ask forgiveness, and to bring healing in those broken places. We worship you, Lord, in your name. Amen. If we can have the worship team come up. If you're feeling raw, if you're feeling like God has opened up a huge gaping wound and you're almost afraid to move, that's okay. But trust that he who began this work in you will bring it to completion. Trust that he will bring it to completion. If we could stand. For more information, go to AriseLife.org or follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram.